0: Welcome back to PuckCast with Statsman and AJ, Rotowire's Fantasy Hockey Show. Folks, I'm Paul Bruno coming to you from just north of the city of Toronto, Ontario, in Canada. And you can follow me at Statsman22. My co-host as always is AJ Shoals, a great follow at AJ Scholes24, based in another hockey mad area in the States, specifically in Sun Perry, Wisconsin, just very close to Rotowire headquarters over in Madison. Good day AJ. I want I never asked you how far is it from uh, your your home office to uh, the Rotowire headquarters?
1: 20 minutes. Beautiful. <laughs> I,
0: I I love that commute. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: Um if if I go in, fortunately we don't uh, we don't have a very strict uh in-office policy these days, so uh but I go in once in a while. See what every you know the couple of other people are in in the office are up to and, and go from there.
0: Very good, AJ. I know you came through with flying colors on your your uh, assignment to do some skiing on behalf of the cause known as ALS, a dre- deadly disease, and you're doing all that you can to raise money and awareness for it. So I want to give you the floor and tell the story of your your day uh, on on your skis.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So we—it's um, uh, a race known as the uh, American Birkebiner. normally a fifty-kilometer uh, cross-country ski race, uh, but uh, this year lack of snow, they made just a ten-kilometer loop uh, and and shortened the distance to uh, to thirty kilometers for uh, for myself. So a little bit shorter workload, um, but yeah, got out was able to uh, to do. The race uh, this past week, uh, my body hurts everywhere. (laughs) But uh, more importantly uh, than that, we were able to raise um, for myself individually, raised about seventeen hundred dollars for the ALS Association. Uh, I think collectively, the whole group—I haven't double checked—but I think collectively, the whole group of skiers at that event uh, raised somewhere around, I think, around fifteen to to twenty thousand. So yeah, this was. I, know, I want to say my seventh year uh, doing the fundraising for that. So obviously a great cause, uh, you know, to get some funds. And, and that goes towards helping people uh, who've been diagnosed with ALS. It goes towards helping ALS research um, things like, you know, um, you know, wheelchairs for people who've been diagnosed supports in, in other ways. Uh, so really a, a great cause. And, and probably the only reason that I've, I've done this race, I've got six starts, uh, five finishes, including this year, so finish number five. Um, But it was really exciting up there. Uh, If anybody's a cross-country skiing fan, uh, you'll have heard the name Jessie Diggins. She's a U.S. Olympic gold medalist. Uh, She did the race this year, was able to do it uh, for the first time, so we got to go out and watch her. And wow, are they fast at that level. She just cruised past this field uh you know i think she they still did 50 kilometers and i'm I'm fairly confident she did that in like an hour less than it took me to do 30 so wow, it's <laughs> insane to watch those olympic athletes go so a great time great cause uh and yeah just hopeful uh, thankful for everybody that's that had donated along the way um and, and yeah just fun weekend
0: Well, good for you, AJ. I'm really proud of you for carrying on that tradition of yours and uh, for a great cause. So kudos to you. You're a champion in that space in my book. Uh, Partner, we're two weeks out from the trade deadline. And so today we're gonna take a, a look at the, maybe some of the names that should be talked about and are being talked about in trade rumors, and maybe predict a landing spot or two in some of the cases. But before we get into specific players, I'd like to take a look at our two favorite teams as an example of what those teams might do in advance of the trade deadline. Beginning with the news in Pittsburgh, what can you tell us? I mean, I guess there's been a lot of interest in Jake Gensel, but recently there was some injury news attached to his name. So does that complicate his trade possibilities? And what else are you hearing that the Pens might be considering in advance of the deadline.
1: Yeah, um, obviously that is a big uh, a big problem for for Pittsburgh. He's not expected back. I don't think he's eligible to return till like March 14th, off off the top of my head here. Um, so, you know, that's obviously past the uh, the deadline there. So if somebody trades for him, they'll they'll have to uh, factor that in. As to what the Pens should do, uh, whatever Sidney Crosby says, uh, <laughs> honestly, um, you know, I look, the goal, the long-term goal is to sign him to an extension on July 1. That is the long-term goal. That's when he's eligible to sign what will hopefully be his last contract. Maybe not if he plays until, you know, Gordy Howe or Yarmie or Yager 50, 50s, but Uh, signing Crosby to an extension beyond this one is the priority. So whatever he's willing to accept, if he's willing to call this year a bust, then, you know, then you look, you trade, uh, maybe you trade Riley Smith, who they did just acquire this season. Um, But, you know, he would be more than a rental. You'd get two playoff runs with him. Maybe you trade Jake Ensel Uh, that would sting, but that's certainly an opportunity you know, part of the problem for the Penguins is you've got, no movement clause, no trade clauses, all up and down this lineup. Uh, So they'd have to do something there to, to get those guys to consider waiving that or or whatnot. If there were, you know, if you wanted to move, Brian Russ has a no movement clause. Um, Jeff Carter, obviously being a 35 plus contract, he's got a no move clause on there. So uh, there's some complications that would have to be factored in, but um, I, I, don't think we're going to make the playoffs this year. Mm-hmm. So I think Dubas has got to do what he can to be able to retool for next season. I don't think Pittsburgh's in full rebuild uh, as long as Crosby's still the captain of this team, uh, but certainly a retool. And and you do that potentially by trading away again. So trading away Smith, um, God, I would hate to lose Brian Rust, but maybe, uh, but he's injured too now. So, yeah, those are the options, uh, how they lay out. Paul, I'll let you run through what you think uh, Toronto's plans are. I don't think they're quite on the cusp of sellers that uh, Pittsburgh might be.
0: No, the Leafs are in a very interesting position now, uh, having gone on a league-best seven-game win streak currently, and uh, the last two victories on the road against Vegas and Colorado in two very difficult barns. The Leafs came out on top to extend this winning streak and really put the ball in Brad Tulliving's uh Court, uh, there's an expression, AJ. Sometimes the players force a coach's hand uh, or a general manager's hand in order to try and seek an improvement at the deadline. The lease roster is currently telling him in spades that this is a, a team that wants to go far. And if he can make a deal to help him out, I think the situation merits it based on what I've seen most recently. There are a couple of complicating factors, obviously. The Leafs are up against the cap, so it's going to have to be money in, money out. Or maybe a third party joins the party in terms of trade discussion, and a three-way deal allows some other team to hold some salary in exchange for a draft pick from one of the other two teams in the deal. So that could happen to uh, allow the Leafs to squeeze a player into their roster, but they would have to remove an asset. So uh, a couple of the names that we're hearing – are uh, maybe uh, Nick Robertson a, a forward who has a lot of offensive skill AJ as we've seen in fits and starts but really hasn't been given a top 6 opportunity in Toronto for any length of time and a player with that skill in a third or fourth line role is never going to play uh, play out as good as he possibly can he is probably best served to be moved out and get a top 6 opportunity elsewhere and i know in a year or two if that happens we'll be talking about Nick Robertson the 25 goal shooter for team X, Y, or Z. And uh, that's going to sting a little bit. We've seen that happen in a few instances. I still point to Carter Verhage, who was a throw-in in in a deal that the Leafs made a five-for-one deal to pick up an asset. And Verhage was far and away the the biggest mistake that they threw in in that deal in Florida's reaped the benefits from a guy who's been as high as a 40 goal scorer in this league since that transaction. So I'm a little wary of what might happen with Nick Robertson, but he's certainly not going to get the chance to play here in a top six role and maybe is the best chip they have. They don't want to deal a first round pick. They have one this year. They don't they haven't kept too many of them in recent years and they don't want to continue that trend unless they can get. I think they're looking for two assets for that for that particular pick if they can get a forward cheap forward maybe a bottom six type uh, third line center possibility or uh, more rugged and in, rugged individual to add to the snarl in this lineup that we've seen in the last few weeks but the key ad that they're looking at is a defenseman that can play with morgan riley because right now they have two other pairings that look good and they don't want to stir- disturb them and morgan riley returns to the lineup in a home game tonight it should be a an interesting reaction from the crowd, I'm expecting. But currently, the defense is set up where Brody and McCabe are one pairing. And Mor- uh, Riley has been put with uh, Laguson And Giordano and Lilligren have been switching back and forth. Giordano looks like he's going to draw into the lineup possibly tonight in favor of Lilligren. Whoever it is will be partnered with Ben Benoit. So uh, they're they're playing around with these pairings. And we might even see different from what I'm quoting here. But Morgan Riley seems to be the guy that they... Uh, are dedicated to putting him on the left side and TJ Brody on the left side, which is a departure from the, the fact that those two guys were paired together for uh, the last several years. So a different look uh, going forward on the leaf blue line. And really they could use another top defenseman here, maybe to bump Lagesson down on the depth chart. I don't think too many teams are worried about him or even Connor Timmons. Should he come back and be healthy? The Leafs should look at that as the focal point of improvement in any trade di- deadline transactions. And with that said, AJ, uh, we put together a list of some 60-odd players who are expected to be in trade talks. Um, I'll, I'll take us into that discussion and throw some names out. We can do this back and forth, if you wish, with our own opinions. I'll start with Noah Hannon, a defenseman in Calgary who was once a very high draft pick in this and he was picked i think either just before or just after mitch marner in his draft year to tell you how high that was in recent years and in calgary he's playing out the last year of a contract that is paying him in the order of about uh let's see about four thousand four million nine hundred fifty thousand dollars he's in the last year of that deal he's an american-born player and he's expressed a desire aj to move back to the states and play for an american-based team The one that I'm hearing about is the Boston Bruins. And the reason why that one is a possibility is because the Bruins have been dealt a blow on their blue line and they're going to be without a key part in Hampus Lindholm, who is, uh, it's an undisclosed injury that he's been dealing with recently. He's on the IR over there and uh, played a lot of minutes for them as a veteran. And they're looking for a a piece to replace him. And uh, I think all the tea leaves, point to the possibility of of Boston being a really big pursuer of Hannafin to help fill that void and so I think that that makes some sense but again Boston is a team I believe they have only about fifty thousand dollars in in cap space at the moment so just as I said before in the least circumstance there might be a need for a third team to be a broker in that transaction but I expect Hannafin definitely to be on the move from Calgary at the trade deadline
1: well, Paul, I'll add some other flames here because I don't think he's going to be the only one uh, on the way out. Uh, obviously, you know the biggest uh, name that we're kind of hearing there is uh, Jacob Markstrom, the the netminder uh, for uh, Calgary. You know, part of it being, uh, you know, they're they're really not uh, going to be in it here. I mean, they five points back from a wild card spot if you trade Markstrom. You're you're selling absolutely right. Uh, you know, there's no question about it if you trade him. But there's a lot of teams that need uh goaltenders right now. You talk about uh Carolina still hasn't gotten uh Freddie Anderson back, so that's a question mark for them. Uh, obviously the Devils have been, you know, talked about as a potential landing spot for a number of goaltenders. I think the other factor you have to consider here, um, you know, really is. Just recently, Marc-Andre Fleury, you know, and it could be just lip service to the, the fan base, but he came out and said he kind of wants to see out, you know, see out what uh, what they're doing in Minnesota. Uh, so how does that, that factor in? Markstrom's also not a rental, so that's a no. contributing factor. He's got two more seasons at $6 million after this one. So you're probably looking, you know, does New Jersey think they have somebody um, that can be long term for them. Does Carolina think they have somebody that can be long term, or you know, are you looking to to reshape things? Uh, Calgary or uh, New Jersey rather doesn't have uh, a ton of cap space right now. Uh, they do have a little bit of wiggle room if you add in uh, long term injured reserve relief. I I actually think they could fit Markstrom under there because Dougie Hamilton is on LTIR. Um, and then the other name from Calgary is Chris Taniff, the uh, kind of, you know, uh, defenseman there. I think he could offer a ton of value, uh, you know, and have a, a really big impact on wherever he might end up. A player that, uh, you know, would bolster the D, um, you know, contract somewhat manageable, um, a, a pure rental at 4.5 million. So maybe, You know, you can get Calgary to retain half of that. They're not going to do that on Markstrom, at least not half of it, maybe a little bit because of the extra years. But Tanov that wouldn't be the case. So I think he's an intriguing option. So it's interesting to see Calgary uh, high up on this list. I think any list you find, you'll see
0: Hannafin, Tanov, and Markstrom pretty high up as potential uh, drop points. AJ, uh, to pick up on that Tanov discussion, he's a Toronto native. And in the last few years, the Maple Leafs have made it a point to sign a few of these guys when the opportunity arose and they are uh, uh, interested in getting him even as a rental at the moment but they would like to consider a situation where they might be able to lock him up uh, for future and so i think even if he doesn't come here at the trade deadline that's a name that will be linked to, to toronto in the off season and i think that eventually they will partner up in a transaction i fully expect him to be wearing the blue and white no later than uh, the first week of October next season, but I wouldn't be surprised if they get it done earlier. Uh, Every
1: player always linked to the Toronto Maple Leafs. That's what the the Toronto media would have you believe. Everybody's going to Toronto.
0: He's born in Toronto. He's that elusive right-hand shot. He checks a lot of boxes, AJ, with the toughness that he brings. The only wild card with him is that he, because of the game that he plays, very physical in nature, and a shot blocker extraordinaire, he gets injured a lot. And so I would be tempering my enthusiasm for a guy who's in his mid 30 early 30s already and a lot of miles on that chassis so uh while i i do like the idea i wouldn't overpay in that circumstance that brings me to a discussion partner of uh, a forward that i think is linked to vegas and i'll mention it. it's pavel buknevich of the st louis blues he is in a situation where he's probably not going to make the, t- the playoffs with the blues But uh, a team like Vegas is one that makes a lot of sense for me because they are really ravaged by injury. They're missing Stone and Eichel at the moment. And Buknevich is playing a very strong season for the Blues. He's got one more year with a $5.8 million cap hit. And I know that Vegas is a team that has some cap issues as well. But uh, that's a name that I'm hearing linked to the defending champs and uh, would help bolstered their offense. Vuknevich is a guy that can play any of the three forward positions. So that flexibility also makes him attractive to not only the, the Knights, but a lot of other teams in advance of the trade deadline. So Vuknevich uh, is probably in the top 10 of most people's uh, trade watch lists in advance of this, uh, off, uh, this trade deadline. I'll mention a couple other forwards, A.J., Vladimir Tarasenko for Ottawa. The Senators are not making the postseason. And so Tarasenko becomes an interesting possibility. He's a guy that has tons of skill, built like a tank himself, and uh, could be expendable in the Ottawa circumstance because he is on the wrong side of 30. This team is is in the middle of a rebuild, and he's playing out a contract, a hit of $5 million of the trade deadline at the age of 32. So it might make sense to, for him to be moved on to a contending team and to see what Ottawa might be able to reap in terms of Assets coming back the other way. But this is a guy who is a couple of years removed from being one of the more dynamic and rugged uh, power forwards in the NHL. And I think there's some mileage left in that tank. Another guy, speaking of tanks, Frank the Tank Vetrano. That nickname was hung on him uh, at the uh, at the All-Star game, in fact, AJ. And uh, people were admiring his offensive skill. And uh, and it's been on display for years. He's power play specialist. And he's got some physicality to him playing out the string in Anaheim. So that makes him another expendable piece there. And I think the Ducks are looking to parlay him into future assets to go with a youth movement that's under underway there. And a team that's looking to bolster their top six and power play would look at the Trano who has carved a career as a power play specialist. So uh, what we're trying to do in this segment for our listeners is a bit of a departure from what we've done in the past. We'll get to the meeting potatoes of our normal processes in a few minutes but i just we just want to give you a sense in the first of two installments this year, this week uh, and we'll do another one next week uh, right up hard against the deadline with rumors that are linking players and we will just going to continue down a couple more players aj on this list before we uh, get back to our meat and potatoes and talk about the hot players of last week so i'll throw it back to you
1: Well, you mentioned uh, guys that could be headed to Vegas. One name that's been tied to Vegas is uh, Riley Smith, actually, who was uh, acquired by the Penguins from the Golden Knights in a trade last season. His pace has been a little bit off. uh, Well, all right, I'm being generous. A lot of bit off from last season, um, but he'd be a known quantity to Vegas. He's a Stanley Cup uh, champion with the Golden Knights. uh, So I think he could offer – uh, some decent intrigue there as well, um, playing uh, with his own team. I also mentioned uh, a couple of netminers. I uh, obviously I touched on Mark Andre Fleury. The you know the thought is he has that uh, that no move clause, so it'll be up to Fleury if he wants to leave or not. Um, but uh, Jake Allen is a name that's been linked to uh, a lot of moves. Uh, he they're doing the kind of three goalie thing. Um, in uh in montreal so i would imagine they're going to ship Allen out eventually here he does have a modified no trade clause allows him to submit a 17 team no trade list Uh, i would imagine that list probably doesn't include new jersey or carolina Uh, some of the teams that we mentioned could uh, provide some veteran cover especially if somebody else were to get hurt Uh, in the next week or so here. Uh, So Jake Allen's price tag could go up uh, in the next week. And then Kapo Kakanen for uh, the Sharks. Uh, Obviously his numbers have not been uh, exactly stellar this season, just six wins in 26 appearances, Um, but he's playing behind a pretty bad team. So I think there'd probably be some people that would look more at his Minnesota numbers, uh, and hope that that would be what they were getting out of him uh, instead. And so I think he'll draw some interest as well. Similar situation, probably a little more riskier. Like he's 27, maybe has some more upside, but could be downside. Uh, whereas like Jake Allen, I feel like is a little bit more of a like known qual- quantity. Like this is where you're getting out of Jake Allen, take it or leave it. Uh, The upside is that Kakanen will be an unrestricted free agent at the end of the year. So if it doesn't work out, you just let him go. Um, So yeah, the, a couple other goalie names out there. And again, I bring this up because uh, if you're in a league that either, you know, Kakanen or Allen could be available in your league out there uh, potentially. And so maybe if Jake Allen moves to the San Jose sharks that offers some intrigue uh, or I'm sorry, not the sharks to the devils. Um, that offers some intrigue. So uh, just names to keep an eye on, see what's happening out there, especially if either of those guys is available in your league.
0: Yeah, AJ, in Seattle, they've uh, uh, they've got me looking at a guy like Jordan Eberle. I've been a fan of this guy. He really has a high hockey IQ, and he's been a star for this the Canadian nation in, in world championship play and uh, distinguished himself there as well as in junior. So I have a lot of time for him when his name comes up in these possibilities and he is in the last year of an expiring contract probably won't cost as much as some of the other big name forwards that are out there but i think an intriguing possibility should a team be looking he put him in the same classes maybe a little bit higher than frank vetrano but comfortable in terms of what he might require in terms of compensation coming back seattle's way and we mentioned that there are a number of defensemen that are being sought at the trade deadline and uh, we didn't mention sean walker Philadelphia this is a team that might make the playoffs so I wonder if that 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 has a part to play in his possible availability but he's a guy that's a good two-way defenseman plays with some physicality and a lot of teams are scouting the Flyers right now and he's one of the targets even Nick Seeler his defense partner they're talking about them in a package deal if you if you can believe that to be moved out of Philadelphia should they want to look in that direction and then in addition uh, I'll throw Matt Dumba's name you'd mentioned Minnesota is a team that is probably going to be linked to some rumors. And I'm surprised about Fleury's status that you uncovered. I would wonder why he wouldn't want to go to a contending team. Maybe it's more of a family-related decision there. You might want to shed some light when I throw it back to you. But in the meantime, certainly D- Matt Dumba is a guy in Arizona who might be a consideration to be moved uh, in at the trade di- deadline uh, as another right-shot defenseman. It seems like that's the the target that a lot of teams are looking at AJ to build, to build up their top four. He's been linked to the Maple Leafs as well. And uh, Ilya labushkin a big time baggage master, very physical defenseman in Anaheim. He, uh, he played in Toronto before, and a lot of people noticed that he liked to be physical and was a good shot blocker. So I expect Anaheim to move him at the deadline to a team that's looking to bolster their defense. Maybe a team like Tampa, they are missing Uh, Sergachev in their lineup, they probably have to aim a little bit higher than Libushkin, and maybe they'll go after one of the big boys. It could be a player in the Noah Hannafin sweepstakes themselves. And you mentioned uh, Jake Allen, a three-headed monster in net for uh, the Montreal Canadiens. I think they've got to move him at the trade deadline. It wouldn't surprise me at all that they do. Uh, You are familiar with a Jake, Jason Zucker, AJ. He's in Arizona. What would he bring to the table for a team that's looking to pick up a player of his, uh, his, uh, stature.
1: Well, I think in, in Zucker you're getting, um, you know, I know he plays top line, uh, minutes in Arizona. I think somewhere else you'd probably go more middle six. Um, he's certainly not helped his price tag recently, uh, no goals in his last eight games. And that's indicative of really, you know, his last several years. Um, you know, I think there's, uh, streaks in his game. He, you know, Hard worker uh, by all accounts, great teammate, all that stuff, Um, but very streaky in terms of fantasy production. So you would kind of hope to get him on, uh, you know, like a a high end uh, versus, you know, possibly, you know, lower, uh, lower tailspin there like the one he's currently on. So, uh, yeah, a streaky player with some uh, with some decent upside.
0: AJ, I want to finish with look at one more player that I want your opinion on, and I'll come up with my own. Anthony Manth is a guy that's intrigued me for years since he came into the league. I always thought he was going to be uh, in Ovechkin's shadow, and that's the way it's played out in Washington since he uh, joined this team. But I have a lot of time for him because he also checks a lot of the boxes that I look for in terms of size, strength, uh, good offensive skills. He's going to hit the 20-goal mark again, for a Washington team that's in rebuild mode, he's playing out the string on a pretty high price tag of $5.7 million. I submit to you that in free agency, he's not going to get that kind of money. But uh, it could be a useful piece for a team that's looking to fill out a top six. This guy can be uh, a shooter in, in the right situation uh, from my point of view. What do you think about him?
1: Yeah, I absolutely agree. He's overpriced um, at his at his current market value you know, he hasn't hit that 20 goal mark uh, since 2018 uh, when he was with the Red Wings just, you know, hasn't found uh, the same goal stride. Now he has been hampered by injuries since joining Washington. Uh, in fact, you know, the, for the last couple of years in Detroit, he only played like 40 games uh, in those two seasons. And so, yeah, definitely kind of an injury prone player um, at, at, times of his career. He's, he's played most of this season um, looks decently good. I think you need to have a spot available on one of your power play units, uh, because if you're not giving him power play opportunities, I'm not sure he's going to produce at the level you want him to. Um, So if, if Washington's willing to retain some salary um, and you could get him closer, roughly about 3 million, I think he makes sense in a top six role. Uh, and then he hits the market next year. And I agree with you. I don't think he'll get that $5.7 million annual. But you never know. This is going to be the offseason of the first big cap jump in, you know, three, four years. Uh, teams might go out and just start spending money like crazy. So it, it's possible with the cap jump. But I, I certainly don't think he should. But as far as a trade piece, uh, I would see it if if Washington's willing to retain some salary. And I don't know why they wouldn't. Uh, it's not like that it would cost them anything beyond this season.
0: AJ, we've hit on a number of players that are going to be causing some buzz in the trade deadline. We'll do some more of this next week. But at this point in time, we're going to take a break, and we'll come back with our meat and potatoes in terms of hot players last week, uh, cold players, and uh, injured players, injury updates, and as well our DFS portion. You're listening to Rotowire's podcast with Statsman and AJ. We'll be right back after these messages. All right, we're back, and we're going to look at some of the players who cu- turned our head last in the last seven days who are more than likely available in your fantasy pools. And at the top of the list, I look at a couple of names, and one of them makes me smile. Uh, the first, though, Mason McTavish with Anaheim. He's a guy that started the season very, very strongly, but injuries slowed him down. He's picked it up again in the last seven days and leads the pack here with two goals and four helpers, a two-position guy. If you've are you got an injury up front, this, this is a guy in a good situation. They're playing the heck out of him. And they're going to probably wear him out the rest of the season, AJ, in a top-line role and top power play role. And uh, he's going to be one of the leaders of the future. So McTavish might be a really good add in your fantasy pools. And ditto for Tyler Bertuzzi here in Toronto. He's been maligned for much of the season, mostly because of a $5.5 million contract hit uh, on the one year that he signed with the maple leafs but of late we're starting to see some real good play out of him at climax with a three goal effort on saturday against no less than the colorado avalanche and he's been elevated to a top six role and a first string on the power play at the expense of john tavares he's now holding that net front presence on a leaf power play that is uh battling colorado for the top rung in the entire league so a good place for him to be and as long as he's getting that look on the power play you can bet that the points will come for him and I think he's shed the unlucky uh, stri- streak that he started the season with. So two very sound offensive additions right at the top of the board. AJ, what say you about a couple other guys on this list?
1: I'm going to mention a, a younger guy uh, with uh, Columbus, just 6% ownership right now. Dmitry Voronkov. I think I said that correctly, yeah. but uh, um, you know, Beautiful, I'm... beautiful,
0: beautiful enunciation. I would say.
1: <laughs> Terrible at it, but I do my best here. So uh, he's uh, been on a, a bit of a tear since about mid January here. Nine goals in 14 games, uh, four of those coming with a man advantage. I love the shot numbers for this guy. You're talking over that stretch 44 shots on goal. He's got a nine in there, a seven in there just this past weekend. A lot of threes, uh, so it's not necessarily a boomer bust. There is, of course, you know, the occasional zero one, but. Uh, his shot volume is great. Playing second line center for them right now, in part because Fantilli is out uh, and and not expected back till the end of the month. Um, they've got him up there with with Marshenko and, and Chinnikov, so really uh, a great spot I think for him. And uh, at just six percent owned, most people should be able to go out and find him available in their leagues. And I think he'd be a great addition, even playing on a Columbus team. You're going to find diamonds in the rough sometimes on these, uh, you know, struggling teams, but I think he's been producing a lot of offense and is worth a a considerable look here.
0: And AJ with the Rangers, Alexi Lafreniere is playing top six minutes and he's doing it with, with some good results here. Last week, three goals, 15 shots on goal in the four games that he played. So he's looking like a top uh, draft pick finally, and paying some dividends for the, the Blue Shirts, who are one of the top teams in the league. A good position for him to be in in that top six, surrounded by some pretty skilled players. So a sensible ad for me. He's owned in 44% of leagues out there. That number should be a little bit higher. We touched on the fact that the Vegas Golden Knights are an injury-riddled team with a couple of big names missing from the lineup. That's afforded Mike Amadio to take a second-line role, and he paid dividends for the Knights with three goals last week and 12 shots. A guy who plays a rugged style of play, and uh, really represented in the four games that he showed up for. His ownership is, is extremely low and should be available in most formats and a sensible grab for a guy that could see power play time even in the, in the Vegas mix. AJ, take us into the defenseman that topped uh, the list this past week. Yeah,
1: absolutely. So, uh, you know, number one up here for us is, is Alec Martinez. Five goals this last uh, this last week in four games. Really uh, fantastic week for him. Uh, You look at the numbers, uh, or five assists rather, not five goals. That would be incredible. Um, Five assists. Uh, Both the games that he picked up assists, so he had a three-and-assist game and a two-assist game. He did see a little bit of power play time, not a ton, um, but that's not generally been his role. You look over the last seven games, uh, he's gotten power play minutes really substantially in one of them. Uh, you can maybe say two, uh, but obviously they're, you know, they got Shea Theodore back. Uh, I think that's going to impact uh, his power play ice time tremendously. Shea Theodore has actually been, uh, you know, similar five assists in, in his three games back from injury. So while Martinez is on this list, could be available. I'm not sure it's a production level that's necessarily going to continue. Um, one name that's also on this list that I'm going to caution again against is timothy lilligren uh because he's hurt uh yeah, yeah. Will not play tonight uh they're gonna put uh mark uh, uh, giordano is back from uh, a personal leave and so he'll be back in the lineup no clear indication how long little lilligren might be sidelined um but just something to caution against because with uh sh- with hits and blocks lilligren might show up on your available player list Um, But again, no real indication other than, you know, kind of this vague day-to-day and then won't play tonight. So those are two uh, kind of cautionary. Maybe you look at them, guys, both about 10% owned in leagues. So uh, should be available if you want to go down that route.
0: And AJ, there are a number of other players that might make a little more sense than a Lilligren type considering his injury status. For me, the top of the list is Keandre Miller, a guy with the Rangers playing first pairing minutes right now and he loads it up in terms of hits and block shots, and he's on a rampage in both uh, of those stats as well as picking up a couple of assists while averaging almost 20 minutes a game in the four games that he played last week, so I have my eye on him. And a feel-good story, AJ, in Calgary. We know that they might be moving some players out. One guy who's likely to stay for the rest of the season and finally being healthy uh, physically and mentally, Oliver Shillington. He uh, played upwards of about 16 minutes a game last week, came up with two goals and one helper. And I think if they move out a couple of the other names that they're talking about, his role will only be increased down the stretch. So could be a sneaky good ad if you're looking to help yourself with a guy who has some offensive chops and could find himself uh, as a point man on their power play even. That's how good his situation might might become. And in Washington, uh, Rasmus Sandin is a guy who's healthy again, and he's playing a ton. Upwards of uh, 20 minutes, uh, 19, 20 minutes a game, for Washington, this is a team that's looking for some help behind John Carlson and maybe Rasmus Sandin is emerging as the second best offensive piece that will get him some offensive minutes on the power play for the caps behind Carlson as well, possibly second power play quarterback, if you will. And not a bad circumstance because Washington's pride on themselves on a very good uh, special teams attack. Uh, for the past several years, and now it looks like Sandine could be getting some reps in that space. One more name that I want to throw out, and that's uh, Matthias Ekholm for Edmonton AJ, another guy who is a stat, f- stat sheet filler with hits and block shots. And with the potent Edmonton offense, this guy gets a lot of offensive zone starts with some of the big boys up front, and that afforded him four assists last week. He's owned in 50% of leagues and playing again around the 20-minute mark per game. Uh, do you want to add any more, or do you want to take us into the the range of goalies, all of them that played last week?
1: yeah, i'll I'll jump into the goalies, but i'll I'll start with a name that's only uh, we're showing only sixty three percent owned in leagues, and that's Alex Lyon for Detroit. Uh, the Red Wings have been uh, really making a push here. Um, they're They're atop of the wild card spots in terms of the the Eastern division. Uh, lion three wins last week and three starts Uh, a very fantastic run of form for him 1.62 was the goals against average there I think he'll continue to see a lot of the workload there there's no reason not to Um, if it weren't for the Leafs kind of seven game run while Detroit's on a five game run uh, they'd probably be ahead of them in the standings right now so uh, lion playing some of the best hockey of his career. Uh, and looks uh really uh really good here. Logan Thompson, another name around the 60% mark in terms of ownership, uh played 3 games this last week as well. Little uh more struggles. Uh 1-1 and 1 was the record. Had a shutout performance against the San Jose Sharks, which who doesn't. Um but overall I think he offers some value even if, you know, it looks like he's kind of playing ahead of Aiden Hill at least recently in terms of who's going to get the starts Um, but I don't think Hill's out of the mix there so you're kind of in a lower uh, option there and then one name we didn't mention before that I'll bring up here is UC Saros has been tied to a possible trade um, and has been an absolute workhorse uh, for the Predators this season 46 games played 23 wins 21 losses 295 the goals against average which is Pretty impressive uh, for a guy on a team uh, that, you know, is on the fringe here. They're holding on to a wild card spot now. I think that'll lessen the chances that he gets moved. He's probably down most trade boards you'd see out there. Um, But his name continues to come up. If Minnesota or St. Louis were able to make a surge in this next two weeks here, um, perhaps they'd be willing to to part ways with Saros. Or if they don't think um, that, you know, they can – kind of commit uh, or get that long-term commitment. He does have one more year on his deal. So it's not like he's gone after this season, um, but a name that's certainly being tossed around.
0: And AJ, I'm surprised a little bit by the talk, all the talk around Carroll and his net 90 situation. They're getting outstanding work out of Kiyotka Chekhov in the last several weeks. And uh, we'll get to the details of those, but last week, suffice it to say, he continued a recent strong run of play with a victory in two starts. Uh, got a shutout, in fact, and uh, stopped 59 shots in total on the week, solidifying the back end of Carolina's mix, where there was some question marks in the past. And uh, look at the Vegas circumstance. Logan Thompson seems to be the guy that they're leaning on, and the Nets there. People wonder about the the two-headed monster in the nets who who's g- got the lead role now it looks like thompson ahead of aiden hill so that's something to watch for down the stretch Connor halibut continues to be a workhorse in the nhl i think he's got an inside track on the Vezina trophy award this year aj just wanted to mention that and i wonder the murky sta- circumstance of the leaf goaltending has been an up and down thing all season long but in the past couple of weeks Ilya samsonov has really studied uh, his course and played reasonable in the nets he hasn't been a lockdown goalie is his average is about two and a half goals against in the last about eight or nine starts. He has a high win percentage just because at Leafs have been such a tor- torrid offensive pace. But with the return of Joseph Wall, I wonder if they're going to go kind of back to a win-and-you're-in circumstance. We might expect to see Wall in toward the latter part of this week or maybe even in the second game of this week as they get a bit of a softer touch with Arizona coming north of the border. So something to watch for in the Toronto net mining circumstance. What about the top added players AJ and uh, we'll talk about a couple of names on that list Who do you like there
1: well at the at the top uh name that we've mentioned a couple times on this list Gabe Velarde uh, went up another 10 per uh, 10 points this last week uh, up around 50 percent continues to see those top six minutes uh with you know Mark Scheifele and Kyle Connor um you know yeah there might be Uh, some slumps in there you know you look at the kind of from pre-break through the all-star break and then the first couple of games back went pointless in five games but now he's got multi-point games in four of his last five five goals five assists eight of ten points coming on the power play there's a reason we've been talking about this guy there's a reason he has a big jump if half of leagues don't have this, or if he's available in half of these leagues, you are missing out on something here And Gabe Velarde. Yes, you have to ride out those slumps. They are going to happen, um, but he's been playing just fantastic hockey right now. Uh, we expected this other one, Sean Monahan, getting about a 10-point jump here as well. That, obviously, a factor from the move to, to Winnipeg. It certainly uh, looked pretty decent for him right now. Five goals in his last eight games. Uh, he was dealing uh, with an illness that cost him to miss their last game, but he's on the ice this morning. Looks like he'll probably play tonight. Um, so, again, Monaghan uh, should be available in almost any format. He's only about 30% owned from what we're seeing. So those are two names that I see at the top. There's a third here, Paul, that maybe you want to talk about.
0: Well, Bobby McMahon has been on fire for the Maple Leafs and playing alongside John Tavares in the rejigged forward lines. Tavares playing center on that third unit and surrounded by a couple of youngsters there. But McMahon is the guy that's catching everybody's eye right now, filling the net offensively, playing a rugged style of game. I love what I see out of this guy. And uh, I wonder how big a salary increase is going to be. He's playing on a, a pretty much a league minimum deal and it will be a UFA at the end of the year. I hope he really likes it here because otherwise he could command some bigger bucks in free agency in the offseason. But in the meantime, looking really good. Uh, alongside the Leaf captain. We mentioned a lot of talk about the Philadelphia defense. There could be some moving parts there, with Nick Seeler may that heading out the door of the trade deadline. In the meantime, he's only owned in 32% of leagues, and that jumped 6% for a guy who's uh, producing more regularly. And uh, been a good two-way blue liner for them. Ditto for Thomas Harley in Dallas playing second fiddle to Miro Heiskanen. Still not owned in about 35% of leagues out there despite a very strong offensive season for him. You can say the same thing about Travis Sanheim in Philadelphia. He's owned in 64% of leagues. I wonder what the other 36 are thinking about. It did jump 4.5%. And uh, Sanheim is a guy who figures to stay in the Philadelphia circumstance long-term. And how about a guy who caught a lot of eyes uh, on the weekend his number was uh, celebrated uh, in Chicago for years but he went back to the Hawks uh, stadium for the first time since the deal to Detroit and he showed well he got an overtime winning goal I'm talking about Patrick Kane all of a sudden his ownership has spiked up to 78 percent that leaves 22 percent and I'm wondering what those people are thinking if they watch the same game that I did that Kane looks to be a dead-eye shooter as usual and got a second overtime winning goal in the past week and really a key player in Detroit's surge toward a possible playoff spot a great story being written by him in Motown AJ anybody else on this list or do you want to talk about some of the injury news before we go into our DFS
1: yeah I think we'll we'll jump over to the injury news here um, you know kind of just looking at at some of the latest and greatest hits um, Jack Eichel is skating today. They said he could return at some point during the trip, uh, potentially no uh, clear timeline on that. It's a pretty lengthy trip. It's like a five game uh, road trip. So it'll take him into next week. So just cause he's skating doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be back uh, this week. You've got Rasmus uh, was placed on injured reserve. Uh, no clear timeline on his return. He's been out of action since, uh, Uh, Since mid-February, Brian Rust suffered an upper body injury over the weekend, not traveling with the team. Uh, So he'll miss at least four. I suppose he could meet up with them at at some point. But overall, um, that's a blow uh, for for them as well. One uh, good news, uh, Val Nachuskin was cleared by the player assistance program to resume practicing with the team. He's still in what they term the follow-up care phase, so it doesn't mean he's ready to play yet, um, but he should be back at some point, I would guess, in the next week or two. Um, So real good news for both him personally and for the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, TJ Oshie, a a bad news situation considered week to week uh, and has been placed on injured reserve as well with an upper body injury there. And then I'll throw in one kind of unknown right now. We haven't heard any updates on this. Jeff Skinner was going to get an MRI before the club left for its two-game road trip uh, today. No uh, update on that, but certainly if he's undergoing an MRI, probably not playing tonight, although that hasn't been confirmed. Uh, but definitely some concern there on Jeff Skinner and, and what uh, is happening there. Paul, I'll kick it to you um, for any other updates you want to touch on.
0: Yeah, there are a couple, and they're linked to the long-term IR possibility that may be attached to one or both of these players. Certainly, Mark Stone is out of the lineup in Vegas with an upper body injury. He's deemed week to week, and there's been rumbles that they might not get him back into the postseason. Or, wink, wink, are they holding him out until the the postseason so that they can get somebody else into the lineup in free agency. And that might be a circumstance that Boston is looking at. I mentioned that they would love to get a guy like Noah Hannafin in the lineup. That's partly because we raised the point that Hampus Lindholm is expected to miss at least four, uh, missed the last four games and it's an undisclosed injury. And what I'm hearing is he could be out for a while. Maybe that's to the end of the regular season. And that might open the door to getting a guy like Hannafin in the lineup. And can you imagine if they can play Hannafin and Lindholm on the same roster, that'd be a real, Bonanza for the Bruins uh done tough news for the Dallas stars. Tyler Sagan has played a key role for this team for a long time, and he's dealing now with a lower body hurt and deemed week to week for a team that's in contention for the top spot in the division. That's a tough blow for them. We mentioned teams that could be in the goalie hunt, I think front and center has to be the New Jersey Devils, and it's got to be because they can't seem to figure out what to do in the nets and that's been made worse by the fact that vedic vanacek who has had played a large share of the goal uh goaltending assignments before he went her uh the ir with a lower body injury he's out for the foreseeable future the devils need a goalie and i fully expect them to be in the hunt in trade talks uh, as the deadline approaches because of that circumstance And one final note that I'll make, Jamie Drysdale, who was acquired by Philadelphia recently, is now dealing with a shoulder injury that could be a long-term injury. We saw what it did to a couple of guys in the Florida uh, defense last year. They were out for six months. I don't know that that's the situation with with Drysdale, but certainly the week-to-week designation is not an encouraging sign for the Philadelphia stalwart who uh, was expected to be a new leader on that blue line. So that's a look at uh, the nuts and bolts of what we normally do in weekend. We and week out to get you ready for your fantasy hockey uh, rosters on the whole of the regular season. Now we're going to turn our attention to the DFS portion of our show, where we look at what's happening on what we expect to happen, rather, on tonight's schedule. It's a 12-game slate, AJ, and we'll break down our best picks on DraftKings, where you'll take us there first, and then I'll follow up with my best bets on FanDuel.
1: Well, I went uh, a little bit what I would deem uh, boom or bust here and and picking some spots uh, based on some team stats. Uh, So I started by going big. And I'm going to shuffle up how I do this a little bit. I'll try and keep it clear. But my high price tag, guys, uh, starts with Jack Hughes, 9000 tonight. New Jersey going up against San Jose. You got to find somebody on that team to get into your lineup. Uh, I decided to go big and pay for Jack Hughes. I also went big, 8,700 for Miko Rantanen uh, as my winger. Colorado at home against Dallas. That's a tougher matchup, uh, but Rantanen has been on a tear lately, uh, just putting up you know goals over the last couple of weeks. And, and so I really think he's a good spot to be in. From there, I targeted, uh, like I said, targeted some uh, specific stats I was looking at, one of which is power play uh, percentage. Right now, the Lightning lead the league in power play percentage. You're going to spend a lot of money to get Hedman or Stamkos, but you can get Anthony Sorelli for 4400 And he's been skating uh, with that number one unit right now. So centers, Hughes, and Sorelli. And then I also uh, targeted the Carolina Hurricanes, their third in terms of power play percentage here. And so I went with Michael Bunting, 3800 another cheap guy who's seeing those top power play minutes. Uh, I went on the flip side as well. I didn't just target that. You've got the Montreal Canadiens' second worst uh, penalty kill right now in the league. Uh, And the the worst one is the Islanders. They're not playing tonight. So uh, I went with a pair of Arizona guys, starting with Jason Zucker, who we talked about before, 3,300. He's on that top unit for them. Playing alongside my first defenseman, Sean Jersey, fifty-seven hundred for him. So really targeting again against uh, against them. Another team, bottom of the power, uh, the penalty kill numbers here is the Ottawa Senators. You can get Luke uh, Evangelista for three thousand. That's a, a bottom kind of price tag for him, and take him with the Nashville Predators as they're going up against Ottawa tonight. So uh, again, my approach. Target top power plays, target bottom, penalty kills and go the opposite, obviously. Uh, A bit of a throwaway one in this last one. Had 3,700 left, had to get a defenseman in there. Going to go with Jacob Middleton tonight. Uh, He does have assists in back-to-back games. He's not exactly a high point producer, um, but shot total has been 11 over his last six games. So I think that's been fairly decent here. Uh, And so I'll go with him tonight. I was going to go uh, with uh, Connor Hellybuck tonight, but it looks like we're going to get Broussois tonight. I'm going to stick with it, though. I think uh, the Jets are playing at home. It's a good opportunity. Uh, saves me a little bit of money. So with the switch, I have an extra 2K. Maybe I'll switch Middleton out for somebody else. But Laurent Broussois facing the the Blues tonight, a little bit of a, like I said, about $200 discount compared to Hellybuck, but I'm okay with using the backup since Brassois is going to start. So that's what I did over on DraftKings. Paul, I'll kick it to you for an update on FanDuel.
0: Well, I mixed it up with some guys that are bargains in the higher range and then some guys that are bargains in the lower price bracket. So I'll see if it makes sense to you. But it's real a real grab bag of players with no real – uh, stack included, but uh, I think that these guys are all primed for good situations this evening. I'll begin with Nico at uh, $7,100 for the New Jersey Devils. He's been, been moved up to the top line at center role and top power play unit as usual, and uh, they're facing San Jose, so it could be a lopsided ice surface there, and he should be able to build easily on the seven points that he's collected in his last eight games. I think Montreal and Arizona is Definitely not going to be the feature attraction on tonight's 12-game slate, but people will be wanting to see the Montreal youngsters who are grouped together on that top line. Nick Suzuki, the captain, might be the best piece of all when all is said and done. From my view, one of the better two-way players on that roster and a guy who's been a very steady performer with 18 points in his last 13 games played, the best streak of his career, I'll say. And the Yotes are on a 12-game losing streak, so why wouldn't you pick? Uh, Montreal's top-line center who's been faring so well against that uh, poor Arizona club that's really fallen on hard times. That is going to cost you $7,000. Again, I highlight the fact that I got caught up in the Red Wings' uh, victory on the weekend, and I like what I saw out of Alex DeBrincat, who's playing very, very well right now, and the partnership between him and Kane Looks like it's been re- renewed in, in Detroit, and he's cost $7,100 in the matchup against Washington for his first-line wing role and second line on the power play. He's has it on a nice streak with seven points in his last five games played. I touched on Todd, Tyler Bertuzzi coming in at $4,100 tonight, AJ, despite the fact that he is playing in a top-six role with the Maple Leafs, and he scored very well on the weekend. He got a hat-trick against colorado and it seems to have shed the bad luck that has plagued him for much of the season and he's partly finally, finally getting some puck luck and i think he's in a good spot for it to continue against the vegas club that is ravaged by injuries in some key positions brandon montour of florida is one of my two defensemen i spent up a little bit higher than i normally do on the blue line aj uh, just because i found some of these bargains at the forward position some of whom i'll touch on in a second but brandon montour for fifty nine hundred dollars for florida against the buffalo team that as all of a sudden playing out the string. I thought this team was going to be a contender, but they've really fallen off badly, and the the Panthers won't slip up here, and one of the guys that will help is Montour, who has seven points in his last four games played. Uh, This is not a shot across the bow, AJ, against you, but I had to look at Quinn Hughes uh, for $7,000. I said I don't normally spend up for defensemen, but Vancouver is a juggernaut offensively, and I didn't like what I see out of the defensive side of the puck in Pittsburgh in their last game. despite Me either. <laughs> they, they won 7-6 seven, seven, in what looked like a bit of a football game there for a while with the scoring that was going on. So Hughes, if this is a track meet, I think he's going to be front and center for Vancouver's blue line. And then I went for a couple of utility players that might make sense given their matchups. Jonathan Huberdo is a guy that we haven't mentioned very much in fantasy all year long because he seemingly can't find his offensive groove that he enjoyed in Florida. But of late, you can't say that. He's got 10 points in his last nine games played, and he's playing against a Los Angeles club that is all of a sudden suspect, really suspect in net. And I think that uh, Calgary's playing a lot better offensively, so I think Huberto is well-positioned to take advantage of that matchup. Ditto for Arturi Lekkonen, who gets the prime assignment of being a winger on that top line with McKinnon and Rantanen. So why wouldn't you pick a guy like that if he's priced at $5,300? I'd pick me in that slot. So he is coming in with eight points in his last six games played, and I like that matchup for him. And I close out my look with a guy in net that I touched on earlier in the show, and that's Pyotr Kachekov at $7,100. It's a very low price tag for a guy who's going into Minnesota on the heels of 11 goals against in his last seven starts. That's barely a a one-and-a-half goals against average, speaking of soccer Uh, stats. uh, Really good numbers for Kochekov right now, and I think he might be one of the best bargains on the entire board on FanDuel. I'd be curious to know what his price tag was on uh, DraftKings, but I don't know if I've caught you up in a spot there, but uh, uh, bargain on the FanDuel side that I wanted to jump all over. So AJ, in terms of final thoughts, we are in the trade deadline push, and people are going to be looking around for resources. I want to throw it to you to tell our listeners what will you be looking at on rotowire site and what would you recommend in terms of resources that we should be using as we get near to that trade deadline?
1: Well, number one for me, uh, is always the, the injury news, uh, and following that, um, you can check that out. Um, just on the main rotowire.com slash hockey, uh, under the injuries tab, there's, there's injury news. You can follow that right there. Of course, uh, start, you know, in terms of uh, just general news, there's a drop down there. You can look at latest, top, uh, all kinds of stuff there. Even checking out our rumors. Uh, we do have those on the site. They're a little bit buried, admittedly, but some hockey rumors, figuring out what we need there. Uh, and then, of course, you know, I always try and promote the My Leagues feature. Uh, allows you to upload your league onto the RotoWire site, and we'll give you an idea of uh, top ads or, uh, you know, uh it's got all the news for your players your player injury report um but yeah top free agents available in your specific league um in my case i can see that jeff skinner is available so uh, maybe i'm willing to overlook that injury um and so go there uh it also if you're in a league that's still allowing trades or allowed trades in general there's a trade analyzer a trade finder you can figure that all out and of course best lineup I think is one of the top tools within that my leagues feature as well. It'll help you figure out uh, who's the best uh, players that are on your team uh, that you should be putting in your lineup if you've got. So here's a decision. I have to choose between John Tavares, Dylan Larkin, and Anthony Sorelli. so I can use that best lineup feature and figure out which of those two guys I want to put in uh, to my lineup there based on rotowire projections. So those are some of the top features in terms of managing your league um but of course just following the the regular news across the board to see uh what trades have made who's in who's out who's starting
0: all that uh all that sort of stuff Geez, just listening to you gets me even more excited about the next two weeks aj and we're going to we're going to hit hit up our, our listeners with a second look at the trade deadline list that we compiled here along with rumors about where some of those players might be linked to in uh in kind of the Highlight of next week's show, but we'll also continue to look at players that can help you in building out your rosters. And uh, by all means, if you want to send your possible trade uh, situations in your respective leagues, we encourage you to follow us on Twitter, where you can find me, Paul Bruno. It's that's man twenty two, and you can find find eight. <laughs>